Hi guys and welcome to another World Cup episode of the Rugby Collective Podcast. What a weekend of quarterfinal rugby it was. Um, we jump in and look at all of the great games uh, over the weekend and we also take a little look forward to the semi-finals which are just around the corner. Some really exciting games to review and some really exciting games to preview. So join us on this one guys, I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Rugby Collective podcast. We are here for a double header again this week, um, but this podcast is all about the World Cup. Obviously, the quarterfinals have just gone, and we're really looking forward to the semi-finals. Will is joining me as always. Um, Will, how did you find those games? For me, they were. This is this. I mean, I was a bit not derogatory, but a bit low on the tournament after the group stages, but. This has really got me back in. These games, I thought all of them were excellent. Um, all of them were tight affairs. So, yeah, I was really, really happy to see these games as the quarterfinals. Yeah, it's probably the best weekend of rugby I think I can I can remember watching. There was just absolutely huge games just back-to-back, wasn't there? Built in with the introduction of the Prem, which we'll talk about on our other podcast, which will be live at the same one as this t- same time as this one. Um but yeah, the, the the World Cup fixtures were absolutely huge when they um I think I almost got a completely in fact I think I no, I, I got one out of the four predictions right with England going through. Um and I predicted all of the losing teams outside of the, outside of that to go through. So that just proves how um how much of a, a wild weekend it was. But we've got two are they as exciting as the quarterfinals? Probably not, but we've got two big semi-finals around the corner. So hopefully we can keep this um, momentum of big games going. But yeah, should the be a good. The real question little, is, um, are your World Cup winners still in? Um, I think I had France, so no. Ah, well, I was very smart. Obviously, our last World Cup podcast was with Type 5. And I, even though I realised in the podcast I predicted Ireland to win, uh, when I asked who's going to win the World Cup, I stuck with New Zealand. Um, so I'm riding with New Zealand, and obviously that served me well for some. <laughs> so you predicted New Zealand to win the whole thing, but then you predicted yeah. Ireland to beat New Zealand in the quarter. Yeah, yeah. I realised this after the podcast. Um, that when Cover I asked both bases, who would win I guess. the game after the yeah, I, I when I asked who would win the game, I went Ireland, and who would win the tournament, I went for New Zealand. Uh, so it's a bit contradictory, but covering both bases, I guess. Um, yeah, no, you've done you've done it well. It's working out. And, and to be fair, the New Zealand shout was before the World Cup started. So, yeah, true. And also, it was based on New Zealand meeting Ireland in the final, and I said Ireland would bottle it to New Zealand because I trusted New Zealand more. So, really, it came it came true. Only they met in the quarterfinals rather than the actual final. So, um, yeah. No, there you go. We'll take take that uh, take that well, on board. Well, I'll start. let you lead. But is that is that the one we're going to start with? No, let's start at the start of the weekend. The first game, Argentina-Wales. Um, well, I said the start of the weekend. It was four o'clock on Saturday. But um, I thought this was, for me, it, it was obviously, the, there was the two big ones, wasn't there? The, the two big quarterfinals and then the almost the the starter, the appetizer before. Um, but this was a really exciting game. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing is the refereeing. That's the biggest topic to talk about. Obviously... Started the game, Jaco Piper, um, and then after about 10 minutes, he's pulled his groin, 15 minutes, uh, maybe slightly longer. And uh, Carl Dixon takes over. Now, yeah. I, I mean, wonder how much um, I wonder how much that plays with the players' heads. 
Well, they were talking about this on commentary and and they were saying, obviously, you studied the way a, a, a referee refs a game and you know, and they'll look at tape during the week and if he's really hot on something, they'll know to stay away from that. If they're not so hot on another thing, you know, you can kind of be a bit, they're going to be a bit more lenient. You might aim to do that a bit more. So I think it will it will affect the game, but realistically, I don't, I don't think he had too much effect. Yeah, no. I, realistically, it shouldn't have any effect, should it? Really? Well, I think the thing is, I guess we'll never know. But you are right. Yeah, it shouldn't um, shouldn't have an effect. But I thought, so I was, um, I didn't catch the full eighty of this game. Um, I think I tuned in at about thirty minutes in. Um, but from what it looked like, Wales were quite calm and composed in the first period of the game. Um, and then it was Argentina who had to sort of claw back, wasn't it? Yeah. So that's the biggest thing for me. And and, and there's there's going to be a lot of, of of talk of obviously, and we'll go into this in a minute, the, the Nick Tompkins uh, incident. But for me, the, the biggest aspect of this game was for the first at least half an hour of the game, Wales were really on top, really looked controlled, dominant, and they just didn't put enough points on the board. Um when you're in this type of tight game and, and when you're in this game, you need to, when you have these dominant periods, you need to get that scoreboard move in and, and pull away because because the, these other teams are too good. They're going to get chances. They're going to score points. And ultimately, I think that's what it came down to. Is Wales didn't score enough when in that first period they were um, looking the much better side and, and much more threatening um, scoring after, I think, two minutes. So, yeah, I, I think... That was their biggest downfall, really, is in that first half, most of it, they were fairly dominant, but didn't come out of the half. Well, I think at half time it was 10 6. Um, so yeah, I think that 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 was the biggest factor for Wales losing, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think, well, should we talk about the Nick Tompkins one now? Actually, let's talk about the Josh Adams one because that happened first. Oh, yeah, um, so just a cheap shot. I thought he was lucky to, um, because it was no card, was it? It was just a penalty. It was just it was just given a penalty, and uh, so obviously given it a was, yellow card. That was the thing that made it ten six at half time. Although Argentina a, did have yeah. a Argentina did have a penalty anyway. I would have given it a yellow card. There's absolutely pointless what he's done. It's a cheap shot. He's tried to hit him, and then if you look at the technicality of it, he's it's a no arms tackle. If you if you look at it as a technical perspective, right, it's a shoulder charge, isn't it? So it's. If that was in open play, it would have been given a yellow card. So the fact that it was in open, it wasn't in open play. It was clearly deliberate. It was clearly late. It was clear. It was clearly a cheap shot. I would have given it a yellow. I think I don't have too much issue with it not being, but at least it got picked up. But I think yeah, I would have given it a yellow. Yeah, for me it's tight, but I think the fact he. Uh... I don't think it is tight. Oh no! Like as in tight between being a yellow or a. Oh not. right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, because for me, yeah, it is It is after the whistle. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. I think if it's during the play, like, oh, just as the whistle's going, it's a cheap shot and it's it's a bit of a shoulder charge, so it, it's a penalty. But I think because it's, it's a good few seconds after the whistle's gone, and I think yeah. that's what, for me, just tips it into that yellow card. Like, he has really gone in for a, a free hit. It's no arms at all. And it's just not necessary. Um so yeah, I, I think for me, yeah, I I would have given it yellow. I think he can be seem to be a bit lucky, and I guess that will really, when you look at it, obviously Welsh fans have really got aggy about the Nick Tompkins one. But you could argue Argentina should have started the well, 
uh, Wales should have started the second half down to 14 men. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. Um, do you want to talk about the Nick Tompkins one? Or can I... Uh, I want a general point that I want to make, and this is probably coming from a, uh, a Gloucester bias um, shall we, a little bit. Shall we, shall we talk about Nick Tompkins as we're on the referee? Um, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I think for me, when when you... Look, so if, if you haven't seen the incident, which I'm sure everyone has, uh, they're in a ruck. Uh, one of the Argentinian locks or back rows, I'm not quite sure who it was, um, comes into ruck um, the body's out of the way. As he does, he's got his head down slightly to the side of another player. He's looking to ruck him out. Um, as he does, Nick Tompkins is falling in height and uh, because he's in the ruck as well, he's got tangled up. He falls down and as he comes to clear him out, uh, Tompkins almost falls into his shoulder and he ends up clearing out Tompkins' head as well as uh, the player he was he was looking to clear out. Now, this was referred to originally by the TMO um, to look at by Dixon, and then Dixon made the call, and hell of a big call it was, um, that it was no foul play, not even a penalty, and uh, Argentina got a penalty. Score, uh, Argentina had an advantage, sorry. got the, uh, Scored from the resulting penalty, and then went on and obviously won the game. So obviously a massive, massive pivotal moment because obviously if 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 even if it's just a penalty the other way, Argentina don't score that try, and then who knows what happens. But what's your thoughts on this one? So it is no secret that on this podcast we have given Dixon some serious grief over the years. Um, but I actually think he he made the right call on this one. He looked at it as a rugby incident, and I think that's right. The the, the Argentine isn't flying in to try and take Tompkins' head off there. He's flying in to clear the mat, who is he, he's perfectly within his rights to do, go and do that. As Tompkins is fallen, as you mentioned, he's fallen into the shoulder um, of the player coming through. I don't think, essentially what you, you're saying there, if you penalise that, is the Argentine shouldn't clear out a Welsh player because someone else may fall into it. So there's nothing else you could do to clear that man out. He either waits and just sees what happens in the in the ruck, or he risks doing that. And I think he has to risk doing that in order to clean the man out. And it was an accidental collision with the head, so I think it was a, a spot on call, a big call, but a spot on. I can see why the Welsh are aggrieved with it, though. Um, yeah, obviously, no. with Tompkins having to go off and Costello coming on, then them having a makeshift backline as well. I, I also see that right, but I think that's just unfortunate. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing, isn't there? Any contact with the head now. And teams are, or especially fans, are really crying for, crying for head injuries. And I think that is that is one thing as well that I, I've seen a few times. Uh, I've seen it from the Irish a little bit. Is any contact with the head now? You hear players either taking a dive, shouting about it because they know how, most of the time it will end, result in a card. So you're seeing a lot more players taking a bit of a dive now, um, which I really, really don't like. But um, yeah, for me, I think the, when you look at it. He's committed, he is low, and he has got obviously wrapped. So his technique is perfect for the ruck, and that is what saved him. If any of those aspects are either he's not wrapped his arms or he's not low and got low in the, to clear out the ruck, I think it's given a yellow card. But because of all of that, it's his technique which has saved him there. And yeah, and I think Dixon has got it right, to be honest. Um, I think there's not a lot he could have done. He has his head basically on the other side of the player, so there's no way because he's gone in you know, almost to like tackle him to clear him out because he stood pretty much upright. 
So there's no way he could have even seen Tompkins there because because he's he's got his head to the left hand side of a uh, of another player. So yeah, I think and yeah, as you said, the pressure on Dixon there to give a penalty or a yellow card, having been referred to, because how many times do we see a referee when it's been referred to them as foul play? Do they not give at least a penalty if not a yellow card? Nearly every single time they give that. Um, punishment. So to actually go, you know what? I don't think that is. I think he deserves a lot, a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the big thing for me is, um, uh, it's in 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 the the um, what's the the bunker era that we're in at the moment in the World Cup. It it would have been very easy for Dixon to just say, okay, give it as a yellow card, and then just let the bunker decide what happens from there. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't. He, he yeah. put the decision on his shoulders, made it confidently, and then moved on with the game. Um, but, so yeah, I was quite—I was impressed with that decision. I think it was the right one. And I think the other thing is when you you look at it, he's given that as a rugby incident, and I think a large part of that is obviously Dixon's a former player. He's going to understand that circumstance a lot more than a lot of these referees who've never played the game. So I think I think that for him, and obviously Dixon's got a lot of critics, but I think yeah, fair play to him on that one. Uh, yeah, definitely. What was Just your the, point on the game before we move yeah, on? Yeah, quick point I was going to say is. I think that, obviously, as a Gloucester fan, Santiago Carreras is a fantastic player. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a fly half. And I think the, the the style of rugby they play relies heavily on him working as a fly half. And I think for a large period of the game, he got the attack cooking really nicely. Um, he kept Wales really on their toes and having to guess about whether uh, Santi was going to go, whether he's going to give it, where he's going to put it back inside. And that was what caused that uncertainty in the back line, which uh, Argentina really got a purchase on. Um, however, I think it is a big risk because I don't think it's necessarily worked for the whole tournament. This is the first time we've seen it properly go well. Um, so I think the the worrying side of that is if you neutralise Carreras, you almost figure out Argentina's whole attack. Um, and I think a side potentially better than Wales, like an All Blacks, um, will probably snuff that out quite quickly. But yeah, he had a fantastic game this week anyway. Um, It'd be interesting to see if he can continue that. But yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to say on it. And what a tackle, by the way, by um, uh, Moroni on um, on Zamet to, to deny that in the corner. Talk about a game of inches. Yeah, yeah, massive. Because if they score that, just then they win that game. Instead, Argentina got the other end and Sanchez, that intercept was unbelievable. Um, yeah, what a read. I think... Yeah, the big thing for me is uh, Argentina have got better throughout the tournament. Obviously, had that absolute stinker against England in the first game, and seem to have really regrouped and, and looked pretty much stronger every week. Um, so I'm not sure they're going to be an easy, easy game for New Zealand in the semis. Um, the other thing before we move on is obviously going to try and highlight some of the players that have retired internationally now or retired completely. Um, and obviously, the big one for this game from the Welsh. And I think I'm right in saying is the only one, but I'm not 100% sure. It's obviously Dan Bigger is now internationally retired. Um, massive, massive credit to him. He's been excellent for Wales over the years. And I think they may struggle in in replacing him. I know they've used Anscombe quite a bit, but I, to me, he's not quite at that level of Dan Bigger. I think Anscombe's a fantastic player. I think he's just been playing with injuries and never really been able to get that foothold in the game. But no, you're absolutely right. Um Great, great shift from Bigger, obviously. Um, love him or hate him, he's had a hell of a career. And yeah, proper, proper player. Uh, 
yeah, he's he's proved himself at every level. Um, and yeah, he's one of the uh, yeah one of the best still. I think so. So credit to Bigger on his international career, and still more to come from him over in France now in his club career. But yeah, good shift from him. Be yeah, interesting. You always to knew he was gonna. Yeah. The thing I loved about him, I think, uh, is you always knew he was gonna put in hundred percent. Like there was never any doubt in his effort. It was there almost like a Farrell. He's putting his body on the line. So we're onto the best game. Well, for me, the best game of um, the weekend and probably the tournament so far. Um, Ireland, New Zealand. Uh, it was just so classy. Both teams were excellent. I thought the quality throughout was was unbelievable. And to be honest, like I just saw a stat. And it was five, five and a half minutes Ireland had possession at the end of that game. And in the fourth minute, New Zealand had the possession for four, three and a half, just over three and a half minutes consecutively. Um, so that, and they said no other team in the tournament has had a, over two and a half minutes of a, a single possession. So it just shows how good and how controlled both teams were. Um, I thought for me, New Zealand thoroughly deserved it they were the best team throughout I thought they looked excellent um, and, and yeah for me I know it was very close at the end but to what was it 30 phases I think Ireland went through on that last bit of play never yeah, once slightly more, I really, think. never once did they look like scoring and um, and to not give away any penalties that was a big thing for me New Zealand just was so clean in every area and so disciplined, and um, yeah, I don't think any other team in the world could have gone through that many phases against that Irish attack and not either conceded or given a, a penalty away. Yeah, no, it was, it was absolutely remarkable, wasn't it? And I think before we go into the the full game, I think one man that everyone needs to give a little bit of credit is Sam Kane. I thought the amount of doubt, speculation around that man um, being in the side, captain in the side. Um, and he came out and put in a proper captain's performance, didn't he? He was levelling boys left, right and centre, just messing up every single Irish breakdown, which is which we said previously that is, would have been a huge standpoint for them. Um, yeah, I thought he was absolutely superb in what was a fantastic game. Yeah. For me, those two standouts um, as well from New Zealand. And it was Ardy Surveyor, who I thought was excellent ball-carrying-wise, got over the rack, obviously won the penalty, at the right of the death to to seal the game was awesome throughout um the game such a dominant force in that back row and Geordie Barrett as well I thought Geordie Barrett was immense in that back um just all over the place uh, dropping into the backfield when needed uh dominant up front against Bundyaki who we know has been so good this tournament um and overall yeah I, I thought he was he was excellent and, and their best back um but yeah for me it was really such a stellar performance from New Zealand. They've really upped their game. And I've not seen a team... I've not seen... I've obviously seen... Obviously, Ireland haven't lost in a long time. But in recent years, you've seen Ireland lose games and you've kind of gone, ah, maybe they were a bit unlucky or or they could... Something went against them and they lost. That, for me, that game was purely down to New Zealand were just the better team and turned up on the day. Yeah, I think New Zealand did to Ireland what Ireland did to South Africa a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Felt very much that sort of vibe, wouldn't it? Just it was a fantastic game from both teams, but one team just outclassed the other one by that small margin, wasn't it? And yeah, New Zealand were phenomenal. Um and the thing is, Ireland weren't bad by any stretch. 
So the fact yeah. that they turned up and the best team in the world by the sort of by the rankings turned up went really well against you and you still dogged them out, I think that says volumes. And yeah, surely their confidence is going to be sky high going into their game against Argentina. Yeah, no, you think so. Ireland were yeah, never I mean Ireland were never going to be out of it because um because of who they are. And I think it's credit to how good they are that they were even in that game. I think if New Zealand play like that against most other teams, it's not even close. Um, so I think it's credit to Ireland to even be in that game. But I, it was it was a, one of those times where I watched the game and normally when you watch Ireland, they can go behind or whatever. And you're kind of like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's Ireland. I never got that sense in this game at all. I always thought New Zealand had it under control. And yeah, they, they were excellent. Obviously, again, another couple of so even uh, bigger names almost um obviously the biggest one and retiring completely is johnny sexton um and what a career he has but the other t- well ones are confirmed keith earls another island legend being absolutely immense for them on the wing for many years and one who hasn't confirmed whether he's internationally retiring or not but maybe is peter romani and again what a career he has had yeah, absolutely. All, all of them, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant players, brilliant servants to uh, to Ireland and their respective clubs. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's not going to be specifically Sexton, right? It's not going to feel the same yeah. going into Six Nations and things without Sexton um, leading that Irish side. Yeah, he's been the backbone of Irish rugby for for so many years, pretty much since the likes of Bod and um, Paul O'Connell have retired. He's really been their leader. And um, yeah, he's been excellent in a way. He deserves more, um, but ultimately couldn't quite get it done. And to be honest, I don't mind the frustration after the game. Like for me, he's got surely going to have had a lot of emotion going through his body. Like he's gone from ah oh, thinking I could win the World Cup to suddenly I'm not even playing. It's not like a lot of these players who are international type. He's not playing rugby at all. He's now that was his last game of rugby, so that must be a shock to the system. Um, but yeah, yeah, fair play. Ireland legend for sure. Obviously, their top point scorer ever. Um, and one of the best to ever do it in an Ireland show. Yep, completely agree. On to England versus Fiji. And for once, I can be positive about England. I can be positive. For me, that was the best performance England have put in under Steve Borthwick. I thought, in general, England were excellent. Like, if I, if I was looking at the game as a total, for 70 minutes, England were excellent. For 10 minutes, um, they were poor. And that's when Fiji scored two of their tries, which was the only thing that really made this game close. Um, but for the other 70, 70 minutes, I thought England were completely dominant, really. Fiji didn't really have much of a sniff. Um, and, yeah, looked much better in attacking phases than they did early in the tournament and defensively looked quite sound as well. Yep, I cannot offer any words of wisdom, advice, controversy, um, agree nor disagree, because I didn't watch a minute of it, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to take your word for it, James. Okay, I'll run you through some of the key key men. Um, Courtney Laws was an absolute beast everywhere. Won three or four breakdown penalties, was an animal tackling machine, really um, hit hard. 
And especially when I thought Tom Curry had a bit of an off day, looked a bit, it, missed, it gave away some cheap penalties. I think he got a yellow card. I might be making that up. I think Tom Curry got a yellow card. Uh, gave away, some, yeah, some cheap penalties and was a bit, was a bit meh. I thought uh, Laws really stood up in his place. And the other back were a Ben Earl, again, excellent, everywhere, carrying, obviously, based, kind of won the game for England when he made that 70-yard break or whatever it was. Um, showed it, showed his pace there, but showing why he's a really well-rounded player. And I thought Earl was was excellent. And to be honest, when when Ben uh, Billy Vunapola came on towards the end, I thought we looked much more balanced with Laws at six, Ben Earl at seven, and uh, Vunapola at eight. I thought that structure was was much better than it had been previously. Um, and the other one I want to give a shout out to, and and a lot of people been. Uh, kind of slagging him off a bit is Marcus Smith I thought he kind of got thrown under the bus by um, by Borthwick by putting him in in such a big game never really played at, played at fullback properly uh, and, and yeah he gets thrown in against Fiji who are obviously one of the biggest most physical teams took an absolute battering I don't know Will if you've seen any pictures of him after the game but busted nose busted lip really yeah Took a whack. I but, did see those snaps, yeah. Yeah, he put his body on the line. He got bumped off a few times, but what do you expect when the likes of Semi Rodrada are running at him with a, a runner? It was always going to happen. But I thought overall, he stuck at it, was tenacious, and offered England... It wasn't his best game by any, uh, any stretch, but I think he offered England something different. I think Fiji respected England's attacking ability a little bit more than they had potentially against Freddie Stewart. Now, it was... Freddie Stewart, probably the right option, looking back on it, potentially, because he may have offered a bit more stability uh, at the back and not been beaten up as much. But I thought Marcus Smith, yeah, offered something a little bit different and and Fiji had to respect, because of Marcus Smith's skill set, they had to respect what he could do. Um, so I thought uh, he added something else. Um, the key man for me for Fiji as well, Bottier was immense again, as always. Bottier's excellent. Um, but overall, yeah, I think England really shut down Fiji. And the only the big worry going into the South Africa game is when that bench came on for the first five to ten minutes, especially, they looked awful. And that's when Fiji really took control and scored those two really quick fire tries. The bench came on, didn't look on it at all. Um, the front row looked slow. Um, and yeah, all the other players who came on didn't really have an impact. Grew into the game after feet, but it took Fiji basically coming level for those subs to almost be switched on. And England then got back into their rhythm and looked controlled like they had before. But if you do that against the South Africa, when you're not going to have that lead, you wouldn't have thought. Then they're just going to be two tries ahead of you, and at least, and then the game's got the game's gone. So you need those subs to come on and make an instant impact, and not take away from England's, uh, how England were playing, because really for the, when those first 15 players were on, they looked the best I've seen for a long old while. Well, that was positive. Enough to uh, do the South Africans? I, I don't want to comment on that. But... <laughs> no, fair enough. That <laughs> I, think, a good... I think the other thing is, you have to temper this with, Fiji did lose to Portugal last week. So... Yeah, that's very true. That's and very true. have been looking more and more tired and wary throughout the tournament. Yeah, well, a bit annoyed that I didn't get to watch it, but so be it. 
but then that um yeah that gives me a nice summary of uh of the events so yeah, yeah nice, nice the bloody English. and how nice i can be positive about england for once yeah very always nice. good very always nice. good um and on to the final game um if there's any fijians that are retired i haven't really seen um so sorry to any fijians that may have retired but uh on to yeah france south africa and did you watch this one i did i did watch this one this is the one so there were there were i thought uh in all the games i've seen lots of refereeing uh comments about the referees and i saw lots about the ireland game uh from irish fans and i'm like new zealand got two yellow cards and he gave you her barnes gave you a penalty try how much more help from the referee did you want um but um yeah i've seen lots of comments about the referee and i've seen fijians come out against the referee even though i thought fiji actually got the rubber the green in that game um but france south africa was the only one where i kind of agree um that I thought the refereeing quality was poor. I thought the breakdown was a mess the whole game. Um, and there was a couple of big decisions which I thought he may have got wrong. Uh, obviously, France had an electric start. And the first half of this game was excellent. Um, although I wouldn't say it's as good as Ireland New Zealand, because I think the, the difference between this is the first half especially was more entertaining potentially. But I didn't think the quality, especially in defence, was very good. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think the thing is, though, I think what a lot of people don't consider is you, you talk about defense, you talk about attack. You put the two best teams or two of the best teams in the world up against each other, you're going to see that start to, to sort of fall off a little bit, right? You, you look at France's attack when they play in the Six Nations, they dominate most teams. But then you look at it when they come up against South Africa, it's going to be worse because South Africa are so aggressive in that sense. So it's. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I felt like it was more mistakes, especially on France's side. There was more mistakes which allowed South Africa to score. To score. It almost seemed any time South Africa kicked in behind France, they shit themselves and South Africa ended up scoring. Yeah, you say that, actually. Do you remember when we did the when the World Cup first kicked off and uh, France played New Zealand? I said that they got found out a few times on Penaud's wing with little kicks in behind. So I wonder whether that is a sort of a weakness that other teams are trying to exploit now. Maybe Penno's line speed and blitz defence on the outside and is what we perceive as such great timing. Um that maybe maybe that the 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 space in behind him is is the benefit, you know? Yeah. It wasn't just Penno though. I thought any time South Africans just seems to get win the ball back every single time they put any ball up, any contestable ball, it seems to be coming yeah. back on South Africa's side. And South Africa's technique of using um, the taller players in their second rows out on the wing for, for kick chases. Quite often you see an Eben out there, a Franco out there. That yeah. that makes a big effect, right? Yeah, but I, I you saw some with like Cheslin Colby and Arenza winning high balls. And they're two of the smallest blokes on the pitch. Um, which I thought let uh, France down ultimately and and yeah the, it was all I think ultimately uh, when you looked at it all of South Africa tries were well worked tries but I think if you look, go back and look at them they're all from a French mistake and South Africa were just brilliant in the transition as soon as France made that mistake South Africa got the ball got it wide got it into the positions they needed to and just scored and it was just bang 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 uh, all of their tries came from that and 
I think that's what's going to have been a bit frustrating from a French side and the Sean Edwards coach side is they're normally so granite, so strong in defence, and it was it was all pretty much from either mistakes or or things that could have been uh, sorted and not they yeah it wasn't deserved, but obviously there's some big talking points in this game. One of them being in with France already a trier. Eben Etzebeth jumping into the way of the ball and knocking the ball down, backwards, forwards, and the referee deciding that it was knocked back. Now, I mean, I've seen quite a few angles of this. I mean, it goes backwards because he's moving forwards, but from where he hits it, does the ball still go forwards? I think probably. I mean, when I saw this live, I thought it was a fantastic call. Um but now I've seen it since there's been a little bit of question mark in my head. I actually really don't know what I think of it. Um, but it does have such a big swing on the game, doesn't it? If if it well, isn't if it goes back, then it's do you know what I mean it's the right call play on. Yeah. However, if it does go forward, then they have missed a penalty yellow card, penalty try. So Yeah, it's a penalty try yellow card if he doesn't. But I think the thing is it looks like it goes back potentially because Etzebeth is going forward. But I'm not sure that from where it actually hits his hand, the ball does necessarily go backwards. I don't know. It, it's tight. It's definitely tight. But I would have liked to have seen the TMO take a closer look at it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It would have been better. And obviously, that would have had even bigger ramifications because Smith then goes on to get a second yellow later. Would have gotten on to get a second yellow later in the game. And obviously, it would have changed had he been off the pitch and all that. But did get a second yellow later in the game. Well, actually, fairly early in the game. So it would have been a red card and an Etzbeth off. And obviously that completely changes the game. And there's also, obviously, and it didn't seem to be too um, amazing at the time, but Cheslin Colby's charge down. Um, from certain angles, I've seen it looks like he is fairly far over the try line before Ramos t- starts his kick. Um, I think this all depends on when you decide, when it's clarified, when Ramos starts his movement um and that's where where it comes down to but Ramos doesn't take too long and Colby is quite a long way out because obviously of the angle and Colby gets there very quickly so I would suggest he probably is offside I mean I've not seen this side angle that you've seen um which I think is different I thought it was fine live but obviously you can only see that they didn't show you the full replay I've seen one from behind the pitch uh behind the post sorry I should say and I think from that angle, I think it's fine. Um, but you seem to think from this side angle that it's pretty clear that it's not fine. So maybe I need to to um, get familiar with that side angle. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, he it's no gimme, is it? It's it's not like... It may, he, may, he may well have missed it anyway because it is not an easy kick. But I thought... It's it's something that should have been checked in more detail, and it's maybe it's one of those. I'm not sure that the outside angle was actually like a um official angle, so I don't. I'm not sure it's one that the TMO has been like given to check. So maybe that's why it's been given. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I, I, yeah, it's tough to know when you you don't know what they say, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think but, it's marginal anyway. But again, it's huge effect on the game. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, well, obviously it comes back to it at the end. Um, Two big points for me, and I think 
one, I'll, I'll start with a positive for France. I thought Jalibert looked outstanding. He yeah, was, he looked class. That little fake kick as well to send Andre Pollard flying. Yeah, he was darting around all over the place. Looked so, so good. Um, and especially with the way the game was open in the first half. And it wasn't really what I was expecting from the first half. I thought it'd be kind of what it was in the second half, much more tight, cagey affair. But Jalibert, when he's given that open field, he's one of the best tens in the world, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic. That's their second choice, man. Wow. I know. That's their second choice. And he is, yeah, he's amazing. And I thought potentially the biggest part for me was DuPont didn't look fully on it. And DuPont still had a good game. I thought he was all right. For me, there was just that hesitancy that he has a little bit. And whether it was he didn't want to go into rucks, there was a few rucks where I'm pretty sure he would have been in had uh, he not had this injury. And overall, just around the park, he just didn't seem to want to put his body, and understandably, not in, in positions he may normally have done so. And I think that took away a couple of percent off his game. Um, there was one definitely where he got back. There was a tackle and he got back and he would have normally 100% been in that ruck um, because he, he has a tendency to win. If teams break and they get chopped down, he, he has a tendency to get over the ball. And there's one way 100% would have normally, but just didn't seem like he wanted to kind of put himself in that. And obviously that is understandable given the, the facial injuries he's taken. But I think that was enough almost to to take away from his game and ultimately lean towards South Africa. Yeah, yeah, it's bound to have an effect, something like that, isn't it? And as you say, I don't think he was bad by any stretch, but you didn't see him flying around just quite as much as uh, as he usually would. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I feel bad because I've kind of not spoken too much about South Africa, but I mean... I mean it was quite a, does what it says on the team performance from South Africa, wasn't it? It was a, it was a good shift, it was oh. a physical shift, but they also spread it quite well. Um, yeah, Colby came alive because, uh, to be honest... I've not we've not really seen much of him this tournament, have we? Um, considering he's one of the best wingers in the world, we've not seen too much of him. And I thought this was hands and away his best game so far. Yeah, he did look very good. It was, it was very like textbook, wasn't it, Colby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, he's had quite a tournament to know. And then finally, on to the France, um, two big well, one really big name and one other retirement. Um, Antonio has retired from uh, international rugby. Oh, I didn't know that. And so has Taufifa Noah. I um, didn't know either of those, to be honest. Both of them have announced that they are internationally retiring. Um, obviously, Antonio, more of a big factor than Taufifa Noah, but still, both of them have had really good French careers, especially Antonio. Such a unit in that front row. Really, well, he really kind of dominated the South Africans up front and it just shows what a player he is because how many players can do that to the South African pack yeah no absolutely you could see the problems it was causing as soon as he went off you could see the difference couldn't you yeah oh also just before we move on so Mauvaka what a bloody performance he had he oh, was he so good so good and again second choice maybe third choice going into this tournament um yeah Outrageous player, outrageous. I saw someone said if you put a one on his jersey uh, alongside that too, you wouldn't ask any questions. I don't think if you saw him cutting about it twelve. Yeah, no, he was amazing all over the park, and as you said, yeah, it's second choice there. Squad depth is amazing. Yeah, proper proper player. And that was the quarterfinals, and I thoroughly enjoyed them. 
Yeah, cracking so, weekend. Now, maybe we're it's a bit of a letdown before the final, but let's move on to the semis. Uh, and of course, we got the first. I don't know why. Why have they done this? Do you have any idea why we've got a Friday night and a Saturday night rather than a Saturday and a Sunday? Um, uh, I guess maybe to encourage people to get hammered. Maybe, or maybe it's a. Uh, uh, give them almost an f- equal advantage before the final. Like if if they one plays on the Sunday, they've got a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, that's probably more to the point actually. So each team has got a, a seven day turnaround. That's probably a good point. Um, yeah, I I'm not complaining though because it does give us a six o'clock then an eight o'clock game on Saturday night uh, on Friday night, which is going to be yeah, just suits me down to the ground. So the first semi final. And it seems to be announced is Argentina versus New Zealand. I mean, Who, I'd love Argentina uh, to, I'd love Argentina it. to come out and do a job. But I mean, I think you'd be foolish to bet against the All Blacks at this stage at this stage of the competition. But yeah, it would be. I think I'll be low key supporting Argentina to to get the dub. Um, but yeah, I think it's got to be All Blacks, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, for me, the only doubt I've got that the All Blacks is was that their final. Uh, against Ireland, obviously seeing um, what England did last year in the semi-final against New Zealand, and that was obviously their final and then didn't really come out and play against South Africa. Um, But for me, yeah, I've got to go New Zealand because I think they're at a level above Argentina, and even if they don't need that A performance, if they now had to go into a game against, say, France, I'd be a bit more worried. Whereas I think against Argentina, even if they don't perform to the top of their capabilities I still think they'll have enough to get past Yeah I think you're probably right I think they've um, yeah they, they are a class above aren't they all blacks no matter no matter what the form is going into tournaments and things they're always the top top level aren't they Yeah um, yeah and, and again not many people will said this this New Zealand team's not that good well it look you you're betting money for them to be on the in back in the World Cup final again um and the other game is obviously England versus South Africa. And for me, I've got to go for the Saffers. I think they're too strong for England. I think, although I know I said about England performing well and their best performance against Fiji, but it's one thing playing Fiji. Um, as I said, they lost to Portugal two weeks ago. It's another thing playing this South African team. I think they'll bully us up front. And um, yeah, I think I, I don't know that even I, I'm a bit worried because obviously we had these great quarterfinals, all of them really quite close. I think both of these semis could be fairly comfortable wins. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that they are almost pre-established. I think I do think England could do it, but I think again, in a similar vein to Argentina, you you you, you really are back in the underdog there, aren't you? But. I mean, how good would it be, James, if we saw an Argentina-England final? I would be buzzing with that. Well, it depends. If it was anything like the first game of the World Cup, then their first game in the World Cup, it would be an awful final. But yeah, it, it would be amazing. Tense, though. Imagine George well, Ford comes back and just starts slotting drop goals. For they're likely the to face each other in the third round playoff, third match playoff anyway. Troops to the game. Yeah, true. Yeah, the game will be, will be back, won't it? But... um. Yeah, I don't know. I think South Africa are are the favourites, aren't they? But who knows, James? Who knows? Strange things have happened. I, I also predicted Ireland to walk past an All Blacks team and France to to do enough against South Africa. But here we are. Both those teams are uh, 
heading back home, if not home already. So, yeah, I think, um, who knows, James? Semi-final, World Cup, knockout rugby, who knows? Well, we will in a few days' time. Obviously, the, the Argentina New Zealand is on Friday night, and then the England South Africa is Saturday night. Can't wait. Yeah, some cracking games um, alongside Prem Rugby. Um, there is a Prem Rugby podcast live at the same time as this one. Um, so if you've listened to this one and not listened to the Prem Rugby one, you are a lucky, lucky person because you can go across and listen to a second podcast for this week as well. Um, but if you've already listened to it, you are amazing. So congratulations. But enjoy this weekend of rugby. The The tournament is almost over. So enjoy the last couple of games. Um, but yeah, until then, we will see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Uh,